0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Hey Amen. Let's take our Bible this morning and turn to Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter number 14, thank you for that good music. It's good to have all of our families and children in here with us this morning as well too. Just a simple lesson from uh, God's Word today, but I think that it will help us this upcoming week. And so you can follow along as we want to just talk about open doors and closed hearts. And uh, that's really the kind of the context, the setting Chapter 14 and chapter 15. In chapter 14, uh, we find that the Apostle Paul and his buddies, uh, they go to Iconium and uh, some other cities. And as they go, uh, they spread the word of the Lord and the gospel. They see people get saved, but they also have uh, strong opposition in those places. And then uh, as we move into chapter 15 today as well, you'll find that um, some people were a bit nervous at all of these Gentiles coming to faith in Christ. And uh, if you're not uh, kind of a church person or familiar with biblical language, and rather than the uh, gospel simply being for the Jewish people alone, as a lot of the Jews, were, uh, they, they wanted to think that God was simply for them, the gospel was spreading to people who weren't Jews. And come to find out the gospel was for all people who would believe in all the world. And so um, some of the folks get a little nervous about that, and they try and add to the gospel in chapter number 15. And so they go up, and they have one big church business meeting, in Jerusalem and uh, they bring their complaints there and James and Peter set them all straight and uh, on the way they go and so in chapter 14 really you'll see some open doors that the door of the Lord provides chapter 15 you'll see some closed hearts and what that looks like so let's bow for a word of prayer over God's word and see what he has for us today Our Father, we come to You and thank You for all that You've done. We thank You for the good music. Thank You for our families being in here with us today. The opportunity to give and to serve and to love You. We pray now over these two chapters that we would be able to draw out some points that would be uh, helpful for us not only as we learn the intricacies of Scripture but that we apply these to our everyday lives. So Lord, I pray that as we walk out of here today Your Word and the Spirit of God would collide in our hearts and help us to become more like Jesus Christ in our everyday lives. And we will love You and thank You for all that You have done. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Instead of just reading uh, both of these chapters in their entirety, I'm just going to share with you uh, a few points, and I'll read you those Scriptures as we go. So when we talk about open doors in chapter number 14, uh, the first thing I would say about that is this, that open doors don't always lead to easy ways. Let me say that for you again. Uh, when God opens a door, open doors don't always lead to easy ways. Look at verse 1 through verse number 3, and then verse 19 and 20, you can kind of pick up on this sentiment in the Scripture. So verse number 1, in Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews to, uh, together, and they spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of the Jews and of the Greeks... But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. And therefore, they spent a long time there, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who is testifying to the word of His grace, granting the signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And then look over, if you would, at verse number 19 and 20. You find that they find themselves in trouble again. They have shared the gospel and says in verse number 19, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Yeah, they followed Paul and his group from wherever they were from Iconium. They followed them there. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out into the city, supposing him to be dead. But look at verse number 20. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. And the next day they went on the way with Barnabas to Derbe. I simply would say and point out to you that when God opens a door in our life, whether that be for ministry, whether that be in our family or in our relationship or in our career or whatever it might be, when God opens a door, it is not always leading to an easy way. And I want you to remember that as a believer. I've run into so many, so many believers over my time that that they would see that maybe a door was opening, and then they would walk through that door and find all. All kinds of opposition, all kinds of pain, all kinds of suffering, all kinds of frustration. And they would assume in the moment that they made a wrong decision or that this was not what God wanted for their life and somehow that this opposition and these problems are the judgment of God. And I want you to understand that when you walk through a door that God has opened, it is not always sugarcoated. It's not always the easy route. You're not always walking on cloud nine. There are going to be some problems in your life when you walk through the doors that God wants you to walk through. And can I just say to you, the Bible teaches that for those who serve the Lord Jesus Christ, there will come persecution. And if you're not, su- if you're not suffering, if you're not experiencing some portion of persecution in the course of maybe a year in your life, then I would say to you, then check up and see if you're really walking with the Lord Jesus Christ in your career and in your family and your friendships and and what you do in your daily life, if there's no sort of struggle and fight and frustrations that are going on, then I would say to you, maybe you've not walked through the door that God wants you to walk through, but you've walked through the door that you like best and the one that is of the least resistance and you feel like the, the least resistance is the way that God wants it to be, where in reality it is that often when we walk through the doors that god wants us to walk through there's going to be a struggle isn't that what it says in this text they went to iconium they were happy. They were excited. They wanted to preach the gospel. They were all jacked up. They had just come off chapter 13 of a prayer meeting and God was blessing. The earth was shaking. Things were going great. They walk right into Iconium. They preach the gospel. Many believe, but in verse number two, there are so many Jews that disbelieve that they cause dissension among all the Gentiles and they embitter them and anger them toward God's believers. Look what it says in verse number um, verse number 3. Therefore, they spent a long time there. Isn't that encouraging to you that the Apostle Paul goes to a city, they hate his guts, and what does he say? Well, I'm just going to camp out here a little while. You know what you would do? You'd do the same thing I'd do. You'd hightail it out of there in a hurry. The Apostle Paul says, oh, this is going to be dangerous. This is going to be hard. This is going to require effort in my Christian life. This is going to require sacrifice. Not everybody's going to think of me well in this position. Not everybody's going to be behind me. This is going to be an open door that the Lord has opened, but it's going to be a hard way. Then I'm going to stay at it. I'm going to work at it. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stay doing what God wants me to do all the days of my life, whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's up, whether it's down, whether it's in a valley or on top of the mountaintop, whether people respect me and love me or whether they neglect me and marginalize me. I am not in this for myself or for others. I am in this to bring the glory to God and the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look what it said. I like I like Apostle Paul. He he just kind of a he kind of old stubborn guy in his own way. Look down at verse number nineteen. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. The old sorry buzzards chased him from one city to another, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. Now, would you stop for a moment and just think about that? I know we have children in here today, and so I don't want to push this any further than needs to be. But would you just just stop glazing over your Bible as you read it and understand that they took Paul, they dragged him outside of the city, and they took up bricks or stones and threw at him and stoned him. And what's it say about his friends? They all just stood there and looked. They had their iPhones out taking video, right? Stop taking video and help, amen, right? I remember uh, years and years ago I was uh, working for the um, rescue mission the Union Gospel Mission in Chattanooga and I've been working there a number of years loved it and we were, uh, Connie and I were getting ready to get married and we were a few weeks from, away from that and I was trying to decide whether I was going to keep working at the rescue mission or not and I walked outside one night to break up a fight and went whizzing right past my face uh, uh, somebody had picked up a brick thrown it right past me and broke the jaw of the guy standing beside me and I, in that moment I said I'm going to turn him a resignation we (laughs) Jesus has another ministry for me amen well listen I'm not saying that you need to put yourself in a position uh, to be stoned all the time but I, I do want you to see the weight of this what's it say in verse number 20 after being stoned what did the apostle Paul do now he left the next day but don't you like the fact that he picked himself up and he staggered back into the same city where they had stoned him God help us. We have a generation of believers. The first time you get your feelings hurt, you're about to hightail it somewhere else. I can't believe what they said. Did you see what they did to me? They took my parking space. You get frustrated at all kinds of little things. I just want to say to you on the authority of God, when God opens up a door, it's not always the easy way. But it's the way He wants. Amen? Amen. So I think maybe you should just determine in your heart and in your life today to be the kind of believer that's going to have a little gall, have a, have a, have a little stick-to-itiveness, and I don't think you're going to get stoned for being a believer, at least not yet in our country. but whatever persecution, whatever people say, whatever little backbiting that goes on, whatever little snickers that happen at the water cooler or people don't necessarily want to invite you to lunch because you're that kind of Christian that invites them to church and shares the gospel or if you share your testimony with somebody and they they don't want to hear it and they they kind of scoff at that and put that off. Why don't you just think about the apostle Paul who went into Iconium and when God opened a door he ministered the word of the living God and no matter what happened even when he was stoned he got got up and he went right back at it. And just be the kind of believer that when God opens the door, that you'll go through it, even if it's not the easy way. Amen? Let me make a, a second point here from this text. I would simply say that open doors are meant to be walked through. Look back at verse number 20 through verse number 22. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. And the next day he went away with Barnabas Uh, to Derby. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Open doors are meant to be walked through. And there's some of you and you feel like when God opens a door for me and it's the right time in my life, then I'll do what He wants me to do. You don't understand, I see that door that's open, but I have this to take care of, and I have my family, and I have my career, and I, I have my retirement, and I have the things that I want to do, and I have my, my hobbies, and I have all these other outside things that are bombarding my life. I see the open door, I see that God might want me to do something, but that might cost me, that, that might interfere, that might get in the way, I might have to sacrifice something in my life, and so I'm going to put off that open door until I feel like that it's the right time to walk through that I want to say don't live that kind of Christian life when God opens a door for you walk through it whether it's sharing the gospel whether it's living in ministry whether it happens to be in your career life whatever it is that God opens that door for you and says this is the way that I want you to go then just have the strength have the courage believe that God is going to provide for you and walk through the open door that God kicks open for you amen too many times in our life there have been blessings that have left uh, left uh, uncovered. There have been things that God has wanted to do with our lives that we don't know about because we have seen an open door and we have hesitated to walk through that open door because we believe that we're living in our own power rather than the power of the Spirit of the living God. But if God be with us, who shall be against us? Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. I just want to say as a word of encouragement, if God opens a door in your life walk through it in the power of the Spirit of God don't leave those things undone I'll give you a little illustration. I think I probably told you this before. It's, you know, listen, every illustration breaks down at some point. So what I'm telling you here is not an open door in, in life. But I remember when I was eight years old, my brother was 12. We went to the Florida State Fair and uh, my dad was there with me. And they had this thing where um, these motorcycles like a it looked like a half pack or whatever, but it, or a big swimming pool or something, It was round. These motorcycles would start at the bottom and they would ride and they would be going horizontal up around the. Anybody ever seen that? Right? Okay, a few of you. And they are buzzing. And listen, I was standing six feet away. It was so loud. I was eight years old. And the motorcycles are loud. And it was kind of scary. And there are probably a thousand or more people there. And I was scared to death. Well, at the end of these guys' time, part of the way they made their money is they would ride right up at the rim of this circle. And everybody would hold out a dollar. And the guy on the motorcycle would ride around and he would take the dollar out of your hand. And I remember thinking to myself, that is the coolest thing in the world. I want to do that. I want to experience it. And I, But I was so scared and I didn't want to do it. And my dad said, son, don't, don't ever miss an experience. You, you've got to do this. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. And finally, my dad put his hand on my shoulder and he walked up there to me with me together. I could feel the roar in my chest of the motorcycle. I could I could smell the fumes of thousands of people. I was scared to death. And I remember I had that dollar bill and my dad's hand on my shoulder and I finally put the dollar out there and the guy took it away. And you know what? I'm 39 years old and remember that like it was yesterday. (laughs) I just want to say something to you. When God opens a door for you, don't miss that experience. And when God opens a door for you, He'll put His hand on your shoulder. And He'll walk right up to the edge with you. You want to know, just just diverge for a second. Sometimes I wish that I could... There is a power, let me finish a complete sentence here. There is a power in the Christian life that comes by way of the Spirit of God working in us to accomplish His kingdom work around the world in sharing the gospel, both near and far, here in Raleigh and around the world. But I fear that many of you have never experienced that kind of power that overcomes fears and trepidation because you'll never step through the door of swallowing down the fear and holding out the gospel for another human being to listen to. Fearful that they might reject you. Fearful that they might have questions you don't have the answer to. Fearful that it won't work out the way that all the evangelists tell you about their stories of giving the gospel and hundreds coming to... All of these things. And you live all of your life not experiencing the power of the Spirit of God to accomplish kingdom purposes. When you get home today and you walk in your house. Hopefully, you're like most people, you shut all the lights off in your house when you came to church. I hope you did. When you walk into a dark room, let me ask you this, when you, when you walk into a dark room and uh, you get ready to flip the, the light on, did you, did you know that there is actually electricity in that room while the lights are off? The power is always there. It's not gone anywhere. But you don't experience it until you reach over and turn it on. And I want you to know that God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet Spirit of God have gone nowhere. They're alive and well with us right now and in your life. They're there. But you have to reach over and walk through that open door and turn the light on and say, I'm willing to sacrifice and believe that you'll be there with me. Let me make one more point from chapter 14. Open doors are for gospel purposes. Look at verse 22 through verse 24 in your Bible. Well, look at what they did. They went back through, uh, well, verse 21. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. And what were they doing? Strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God and when they had appointed elders for them to every church having prayed with fasting they commended them to the Lord whom they had believed. Did you know at the beginning of chapter number 13 it is the church there at Antioch that commends to the Lord the work of Barnabas and of Paul. He sends them out and now Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Saul, they, they, or Paul and Barnabas, they've come back, and what are they doing? That God has opened a door for them in chapter 14 for gospel purposes. They're preaching the gospel, they're strengthening the believers, they're encouraging the church, they're appointing elders, and they're saying, listen, we have brought the gospel, we have discipled you, we have encouraged you, and we've appointed elders in this church. Now go and do the same thing that we have been doing. And when God opens doors in our life, He opens doors for gospel purposes. So I want you to see that this week. Look in your own life and say, Lord, I'm looking for an open door for the Gospel. I'm looking for an open door to disciple somebody. I'm looking for an open door to encourage believers. I'm looking for an open door for church planting. See what the Lord would do with you and your career and leveraging what you do with your life for the advancement of the Gospel. Let me quickly turn our attention to chapter 15. And if chapter 14 is all about God opening doors, chapter 15 is all about human beings closing hearts. Closed hearts. Well, the first point I would make from chapter 15 is this. Closed hearts value customs over the Creator. Closed hearts value customs over the Creator. Look with me if you would at verse number 1 and 2 of chapter 15. Some men came down from Judea and they began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this very issue. And they go up there for this fight. Brothers and sisters, I would say to you that if God opens the doors in chapter 14, it is man who closes the heart in chapter 15. And these Pharisees who had believed but were holding on to the customs of the law and the Old Testament all of these old things like circumcision and they're holding on to this and they're saying listen we understand what it takes to be saved and it is not just simply God saving somebody by his grace and mercy and by faith alone and grace alone by Christ alone through the scriptures alone to the glory of God alone it's not that way at all you have to have grace plus something and I want to say in our lives and what the scripture teaches to us don't ever add anything to the gospel and never value any of your own customs or any of your own church traditions above the truth of the Creator of Scripture. Amen? You don't need to keep all of those laws to be saved. Let me me just kind of turn the key just a moment here into our lives so that it digs in just a little bit because you might be, uh, and we all might be, uh, kind of a little bit distanced from the, from the Word here. So maybe I simply would say in a church like this, our church here, that when God wants to save people from the outside and bring them here, it's not that they need to assimilate into the way that we do things. It's that we need to receive them as people who are saved by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And you might be attached to your traditions and to your preferences and the things that you hold dear. I want to say to you that there's nothing wrong with good traditions. There's nothing wrong with good customs. But if our customs and our traditions and the way we want to do things and our preferences become a stumbling block to other people and they get in the way of the gospel of the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ, then they should be annihilated and done away with. And if your custom or tradition becomes a stumbling block to another person that would come to our church, it has ceased to become a custom and tradition and it has become an idol in your heart. And I just want to pause for a moment. And I want to say this is the way that people get saved. Not by doing good works, not by being good people not by dressing a certain way, not by speaking a certain way, not by coming from a specific part of the city, not by having a certain amount of money in their bank account, not by just being your everyday average person. They come by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And as a church, we should want every man and woman and boy and girl from all walks of life to bow their knee to Jesus. My dear friends, I've said this, uh, probably, I don't know, multiple times, but I'll say it again. I say it at the risk of being misunderstood, but it must be. It must be said. In fact, just yesterday I was sitting there thinking, I was thinking about uh, some churches even in our own country, and uh, I don't want to say any names because I, I, I love people, I want to do right, but I want to listen. Be careful when you listen to preachers. Be careful when you listen to those that are sharing the Word. It is not about how big they are. It is not about how much money they have. Some of the difference in Some churches is this that they fail to preach the gospel, that the gospel is not for good people, the gospel is for bad people. And you can't ever be saved until you look on the inside of your heart and you say, I am a bad person. I have lied, I have cheated. I have stolen. I have disobeyed my parents. I have coveted over what my neighbor has. My heart is desperately wicked. I may look good on the outside. People may think I'm a good person. I have done wonderful things in my life, but deep in the recesses of my heart, I am a sinner only those people can have the grace of Jesus break in upon their life if you live all of your life thinking that you 're okay you 'll die and go to the devil 's hell, believing that. No, what God wants you to do is not be like these Pharisees and add a whole bunch of things to salvation. God wants you, whether you 're six or sixty or seventy or eighty or ninety two today. God wants you to speak honestly in your own heart for just a moment and say, (sighs) according to the Bible, it's not just that I need God for a good life. It's not that I just need something else to fill a hole. It's that whether I would say it to another human being or not, I'm really sinning in here. I have thoughts that I don't want anybody in the world to know about. And I'm ready to lay down my life and say, if you don't help me, nobody will. And to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. If you don't do that, you'll never go to heaven. Not not by being baptized not by being a member of the church, not by being a good person. And can I say to all of us today, just as a teaching moment, you need as believers to preach that to yourself daily. It would be one of the best spiritual investments you could make if sometime each day you just reminded yourself, hey, I, don't, I need to stop believing my own press clippings. I'm not all that and a bag of potato chips. The truth of the matter is, I am a wildly sinful human being in my heart. Thank You, Jesus, for saving me and changing me. And I lay my heart down today, and I ask You once again, fresh and new, to change me to teach me to be more like Jesus. If you go through your life most days thinking that you're just a pretty good person, you're either not saved or you're severely missing what it means to walk the Christian life. The Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, I'm chief among sinners. Really, Paul? Seriously? You're the worst. If you're the worst, what does that mean of me? Am I like the devil incarnate? I mean, what does that mean? No. The closer the Apostle Paul got to Jesus, the more God took His spotlight in heaven and shined upon the darkness of His own soul. And the Apostle Paul realized, I have such a long way to go to be like Jesus. Let us learn to live that way in our own life. And if you're in this room today... And you say, ah, wow, that's a bit different gospel explanation than I've heard before. I know Jesus died. I know He rose again. And I, I'm pretty good with kind of holding that at arm's distance. I believe that in my mind. I want to say to you that the gospel comes to us intellectually. The gospel comes to us to our will. And the gospel comes to our own emotive heart. And unless the gospel has bent and broken all three areas of your life, you won't come to Christ. It is not just a matter of intellectually assenting that he died and rose again. It is not just about getting up and saying, I'm going to live better, be better, do better. And it's not just about raising your hands and saying, man, I felt warm and fuzzy today. No, you need the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Son of God to crack open your intellect and to break open your arms and to pierce the depths of your heart so that you come humbly before him and say, I need you totally, totally I need you. Save me. Change me. Let me show you from the text a couple of points and we'll be finished. Not only do closed hearts value customs over the Creator, I would say that closed hearts put weights on others they cannot bear themselves. Let me say that again for those that are taking notes. Closed hearts put weights on others they cannot bear themselves. Look at verse 5 through 10. These There's a Greek word here, these sorry buzzards. Verse number 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed, see they had believed, they stood up, saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Really? Because that did a lot of good for you. The apostles and the elders came together to look into the matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter, man, you know, listen, when Peter messes up, he, I mean, messes up royally. But when Peter gets it right, he is always, I mean, dead on. Just watch what he says. Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as He gave it to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by works. by the law, by faith. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test? By placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we are saved through grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they are also. Brothers and sisters, people who have closed hearts, Put weights on others that they cannot bear themselves. Don't do that to your friends who are lost. Don't do that to your neighbors. Don't do that to other believing people in the church. Act as if they ought to do certain things. They ought to be certain ways. If they don't live up to the things, the, the standards that you've artificially made, then they're somehow not as good. Because you know what? You don't even live up to your own standards. And you know it. You know what really bothers me? Sometimes, I'll just give give you a little hint into uh, counseling life. When I come across another person in church life who has a soapbox of beating a particular sin to death in other people, I smile. i give them my Baptist pastoral smile. And I have a little ticker in the back of my mind that says, that person probably suffers from that sin deeply. It's been my experience in the Christian life that I've had and and dealing with people over and over again that the people that scream the loudest about the sins in other people's life are dealing the deepest with that in their own life. Be careful the weight that you put on somebody else. (laughs) Peter says, you can't even bear that yoke yourself. And what did Jesus say? Come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. It is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus. Believe on Christ. Give him your life and follow him. Don't be the kind of closed person that puts heavy weights on others that you can't bear on yourself. Let me, uh, let me finish by saying this. Look at verse number 36 through 39. What a tender and heartbreaking and maybe helpful portion of scripture. Closed hearts cause division by not forgiving. Closed hearts cause division by not forgiving. Look at verse number 36 and to 39. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the Word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Martin, John Mark, along with them also, but Paul kept insisting They should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And the apostle Paul chose Silas and left left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Sicilia Sicilia, and uh, strengthening the churches. In just two or three minutes, let me kind of summarize what's going on here. Barnabas is an older brother in the Lord. He's probably not a type A personality, okay? Barnabas, is, the name means encourager. Barnabas is just an older brother in Christ, and he wants to give everybody a chance. Paul is at this time a little bit younger brother in the Lord. He's an A type personality. He wants to get the job done. They had, on a previous journey, taken a young guy by the name of John Mark with them, and he started out well, and then he petered out. He just gave up and deserted them halfway through the journey. Went on back home to Mama. Barnabas and Paul are getting ready to go on their next missionary journey, and Barnabas says, I think we ought to take John Mark with us. And hint, hint, just so you know, John Mark was his younger cousin. Right? It's all about the family. Barnabas says to Paul, I really think we ought to take John Mark, you know, not because he's my cousin or anything, just we ought to take him. The Apostle Paul says, nope, he deserted us then. We've got a mission to do. I'm not taking him. You know, this past week, as I've many times when I plowed through this text, I've looked at commentary after commentary after commentary uh, for several hundred years worth. And it's amazing to see the way that people try and get over this thing. I read one where they said, you see there, God used a church split to do church planting. Wow, that is terrible Bible study. Don't ever tell anybody that. That's not what happened. Is God able to work? Yeah. It really, sometimes we just have to agree to disagree. Listen, that's not why. The word here is sharp division. It's not a good thing. God wasn't happy with what happened there. So, here's my, here's my take on it. Here's what I think the Bible would teach. I think Paul made a mistake. I think he got caught up in the work and what he was doing, and God was blessing, and grace was abounding. And Paul said, that dude is collateral damage. Kick him off the train. Let's keep going. I think Barnabas might have been a little bit too easy. (laughs) Maybe Barnabas should have said, hey Paul, let's take John Mark, but let's have a sit down with him and say, hey." you you got to toughen up. When God opens the door, it's not always the easy way. we got to keep at this thing. But I think Paul should have been forgiving. And I don't think he was at this point. And I think it caused division. Did God bring blessing from it? Did Barnabas and John Mark and Paul and Silas have blessings? Did the church commend it to God's grace? Yes, all of that's there but don't gloss over the fact that these two brothers had a strong disagreement because of an unwillingness to forgive. You say, Steve, why? what leads you to think that? Well, I would say I point you in two directions. I have time to take you there today, but in the book of Colossians, the end of Colossians, don't look now and don't Google it now, okay? Just wait until you look it up on your own time. In the end of Colossians, the Apostle Paul says that uh, John Mark is doing a good work in the Lord. And in 2 Timothy, the end of 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is probably in a Mamertine prison. His life is soon to come to an end. And he says these things. He says, look, he says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. It doesn't mean that Demas forsook him because he liked Cadillacs and wine. It means Demas has forsaken me because he doesn't want to die. So he ran for his life. And he says, only Luke is with me and finally he sins and he says he says look I'm about to die and this is what I want you to do I want you to bring me a coat I want you to bring me my books and I want you to bring me John Mark because he's profitable for the ministry I think somewhere along the line the apostle Paul grew and he forgave And he saw that God was able to bring life out of the ashes, good out of the bad, forgiveness out of desertion. And I would say to us today, let's not have closed hearts. Let's have open hearts. Let's grant forgiveness and mercy and grace. Well, they did me wrong. They might have. But you might find when you get to the end of days, that person who did you wrong, that God ended up shaking them out a little bit, without your help, by the way, and has made them profitable. i just end by saying this. I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful that there's been some people in my life that didn't give up on me. Aren't you? Can't you look in your own life right now and say, Man, there was a time in my life where even as a believer, I was just not cutting the mustard. I was doing it wrong. I'm sure glad that somebody granted me forgiveness. Probably good for our church and for every individual believer in here to grant that kind of forgiveness. Told our staff here before, just so you know, from your staff to you, we're trying to model for you what to do. We don't always get it right, but we're trying. You you asked Jamie, and then we've talked many times when somebody in the church life hurts you, you got to grant them forgiveness. And you know what I tell them? That sometimes when somebody in the church life does you wrong or hurts you, you have a tendency to take what they did and magnify that and say that's their life. Well, the truth of the matter is, they're probably a pretty good Christian person. And in the moment, they did that wrong. Don't judge people by the hurt. Judge them by the totality of their life. And furthermore, judge them in light of the forgiveness of Jesus. Amen? Would you bow your heads women, and close your eyes for a minute? just a minute, we'll stand, sing together, and we'll close our service. But those two chapters are really good chapters. I encourage you to read them yourself. Open doors and closed hearts. I don't know, as I thought about that this week, when the Lord opens a door, I want to step through it. And I want to pray today, even in my own life, and I hope you'll pray for yourself. Maybe you need both of those today. You need that tension. God, would you open a door, and I'll step through it in faith. And maybe there's people here today you would say, God, I've had a closed heart. Help me to be open. Help me not to put those weights on people. Help me not to add to the gospel. Help me to be forgiving of other people. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, Please visit us at ebcraleigh.com